You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Peace and good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Barnard, and I am here today with Kevin McElvaney, who is the editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. How are you, sir? Doing well, Adam. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely. I appreciate you stopping by. Now, normally this is the part of the show where I would go right into my guest, but uh, there has been some breaking news recently, and a lot of stuff has happened in the pro wrestling world, so I wanted to get an expert opinion on this. There were a string of releases last week uh, from WWE, including uh, some very surprising names. Uh, It was actually a week ago uh, today, as you're listening to this. Uh, The company released Aleister Black, Lana, Murphy, Braun Strowman, Ruby Riot, and Santana Garrett from their roster. So, uh, Kevin, when did you find out all of this happened? Uh, right as everyone else did. I mean, it was the, this uh, tweet that went out from WWE confirming the results. Um, there had been rumors and reports earlier in the day, but that was that was the confirmation. Um, I was working to complete our next issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I actually ended up it happened to be that I was about to write my column for that issue. Um, and then the topic of the column completely changed and it became about that uh, because that's, like you said, it's huge news. There were some big names let go, some real surprises in there. What was the name that was the most surprising for you that you saw on that list? I think Braun Strowman had to be the most surprising just because of the amount of time and effort that had been put into uh, building his character and, you know, they were seemingly reluctant to put the world title on him, either the universal or the WWE championship for quite a while. But then once that happened, they did it in this really convincing fashion. I mean, just over a year ago, he went in there, squashed Goldberg, and then he's champion, um, had a long run with the title. I mean, what's uh, not talked about very often is the fact that he had, I think it was a four or five month run from the date that the the match actually happened to the date that he lost the championship. Um, and that's, that's significant. I, he didn't have a lot of defenses in there. Uh, so maybe there's more than meets the eye here. There was something going on behind the scenes. I don't know. Uh, but that one was probably the biggest surprise to me. Um, I think apart from that, the release of Lana, um, just because, I mean, to me, it's it's not a question of if, it's when she goes to AEW now and joins up with her husband, Miro. Um, you know, the fact that WWE had her, has seen a lot of value in her, has put her in all these different storylines, featured her heavily on Total Divas. She has the look that the company likes. Uh, she's charismatic. Uh, and then, you know, they were featuring her pretty prominently right up until she was released almost. I mean, she was in the tag title picture with the women's tag championship. Um, so that was a big surprise as well. But honestly, all of these releases were a surprise to me. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. I think for me personally, just as a, a big fan of SmackDown in this house, I think Alistair Black was the one that gave me that, whoa, this, is this real life? At first, I, I was kind of surprised. I wasn't sure if it was, you know, another internet rumor or things going around. And then I saw the confirmation and I was surprised. What do you make of that release? I, I guess, because I think... In, in for me as a fan and someone who's watching this back, watching all of that time invested in building up the Dark Father character and that huge intro back into the world when he kicks Biggie in the head, and then all of a sudden it's that's the end. I mean, what's your what do you make of all that? So it seemed that they weren't quite sure what to do with Alistair Black after a while. They had built up this character that was, you know, certainly a lot edgier, at least especially as a babyface character. Uh, than what we had seen on, on WWE TV for a long time. Um, and, you know, he was off television for a while. Uh, I think the reason I wouldn't put him as one of the more surprising is simply because there was all that time where nothing was going on with him. Um, granted, they put this effort, like you said, into filming, you know, these vignettes and then having him 
make this big dramatic reappearance on SmackDown. But it's not the first time that WWE has been seemingly ready to take someone to a new level or um, repackage them and then just said, you know what, we're going to cut ties here. Uh, I think it was probably more of a financial decision than anything else. And I, I mean, I just based this on speculation like everyone else. Um, but, you know, a lot of releases uh, seemingly done as cost cutting measures. Uh, he would have to be in the mix somewhere with that. I, I don't know what exactly the, st the status of his contract was, how much he would have been asking for to, to stay with WWE when it came time to renew that. But again, if I had to guess, that's why. Uh, obviously, wherever he ends up, he's going to do fine. He was a, a huge name on the independents. Um, you know, really had this kind of meteoric rise. I mean, he'd been at it for a bit, but you know, primarily a European talent. And then all of a sudden he's everywhere. He's all over the UK, the US. So, I mean, he, he can do really well wherever he goes. I think uh, if I had to hazard a guess, I mean, I would think he would probably want to, uh, and I, he, he's alluded to this on Twitter, try uh, his hand at a few different places. I mean, I could easily see him fitting in really well in New Japan, especially with the New Japan strong brand in the US. I mean, he could, he could appear there. And then, you know, when travel restrictions open up a little bit he could be in new japan proper of course there's aew there's impact any independent promotion would be happy to have him back again you know um he's already changed his display name on twitter back to tommy and so it seems like he's ready once he's able to contractually do it to get back in the mix yeah i think i think alistair black or tommy end is really going to be fine wherever he goes i don't i can't imagine he's going to have any issue where he lands and and to your point about you know bringing people to the main dance and then letting them go that seems to be the story with santana garrett as well they were getting ready to premiere her and i know chelsea green went through sort of the same sort of stop and go procedures yeah. um so it, it is it is not unique to wwe one thing i have noticed though online is a lot of people who have been responding negatively to tommy ends uh, alistair black's uh Twitch streams on his wife's channel, uh, talking and praising highly of Vince McMahon and WWE to, to the criticisms of people saying, oh, well, Vince didn't understand my character and Vince didn't understand this. And the, the creative didn't have anything for me. Um, I think that's I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sort of surprised by the way that people respond to that when you have someone in the company who responds favorably and continues to speak favorably about uh, the the company he once worked for. Um, do you think it's a fair criticism about the creative uh, as far as what people have said regarding Aleister Black's character and his time in WWE? And do you just think the the uh, the IWC is being a little bit too difficult uh, on WWE in regards to Aleister Black? What do you, what do you think? I mean, it, it is a really unconventional character, again, especially for a relatively family-friendly promotion like WWE. Um, you know, openly satanic character, not, not in the classic Hollywood evil sense. I mean, he, he's preaching tolerance and and... We had a, a great story, not to play PWI, but there was a great story about him uh, written by Brian Solomon last year where he discussed this and like how much of it's him and how much of it's, you know, just the character. But he's, he's very clear about the fact that he's um, it wasn't uh, some evil gimmick that he was trying to portray. Um, and I think with that, you know, when WWE can't necessarily go like the Kevin Sullivan route or something like that they're not really sure what to do with a character like that. And I mean, again, a publicly traded company, relatively family friendly. I, I sort of understand that. Um, but maybe the bigger point here is that this is far from the first wrestler who has had all this in-ring talent, this charisma, ability to cut promos, good luck, anything you could want. And then just what happened, you know, why, why I mean, I mentioned Miro earlier, but I mean, as Rusev, he, the, the sky was the limit for that guy and just completely, you know, didn't didn't fire on any cylinder, really. Right. And, right yeah. And, and he's classically the, the kind of guy that WWE is looking for, as is Big E, who has been handled a lot better recently. And certainly as part of the New Day has done well. But you look at someone like that and think, well, you know, what is keeping them from really featuring him as a, a singles act. And I, and I think sometimes there's this, and this is just suspicion. I, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the writer's room, but maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. Sometimes there's, there's too many uh, masters that are being served. There are too many 
opinions being floated about. And I, I realized like any other TV show, there's probably a certain amount of going off and working on a, a portion of it yourself. But uh, the truth is when a lot of different people are uh, giving their opinion and there could be a great idea on paper that just never comes to fruition, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. I mean, I think I think in some context, you you know, and Eric Bischoff's mentioned on the show before cheap plug here to listen to the Eric Bischoff episode in the archives uh, foundation radio And please, Kevin, also always feel free to plug PWI whenever you're on the show. I, I absolutely love the publication. So whenever you feel the need to please interrupt and do so. Uh, but again, it's 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 the idea of throwing something on the wall and seeing what sticks. Right. And I think I really do. I think as a publicly traded company, they're beholden to a lot of different people that maybe they weren't beholden to in the 90s and the early 2000s. So I think people have to kind of temper their expectations when it comes to these sort of things. But also back to your point as well about the idea of having this person who is seemingly perfect for a WWE superstar. You could arguably also put Braun Strowman in that category. You're talking about a guy who's almost seven foot tall. He's probably 350, 360 pounds. He's this monster human being trained from the performance center, came up. They basically built him from from the ground up, had this incredible uh, turnover with Brock Lesnar. What was that? 2017, 2018 gets pretty handily defeated and then never really has another run again until kind of the universal championship in 2020. So it's amazing. And you're right. I I often wonder what it is behind the scenes or what it is that's happening that holds these guys back or holds these gals back from becoming that next level star. And maybe that what it is, maybe we all need to temper it a little bit with our, our expectations as far as what it is with WWE that we're kind of expecting at this point. But I do agree. I think, uh, I think Lana will definitely end up right on her feet in AEW. Uh, I'm curious to see if, if Braun will go to AEW because I feel as though with that, you know, I know people have commented on the Mark Henry connections recently with him being in the company now. I think he's going to land there pretty solidly. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, in my heart of hearts, I'm hoping that Aleister Black will take the Drew McIntyre route because I, I do believe that, that that character could be the next level. He could definitely hold a, ti- a one of the world titles in WWE someday. I think he'll probably hit the the indies and 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 do the Drew McIntyre route. But uh, so you, you mentioned your column. One final thing before I let you go. You mentioned your column that's coming up in PWI. When is that issue going to be released? And is it going to be structured around this recent recent bash of releases? So the tough thing with a print publication is this happened very very close to print time, and I, and I address that in the column. Um, so I'm able, you know, it's a, it's a single page beginning of every issue. I like to, uh, you know, let the, the other columnists do their thing. And, uh, as, as Stu Sachs did before me, it's, it's a single pager. So it just goes a little bit into, uh, each of the people who were released, what may have been done differently, where they may land. And then, um, the rest of the issue is not connected to that. I mean, it's, it's more, it's, it's still timely. There's full coverage of AEW's Double or Nothing in there. We've got exclusive photos. Um, there's a hot seat interview that is related to that show that I'm, I'm not going to reveal just yet. Um, but that issue is going to be, I'm looking at the calendar on the wall here, that's going to come out digitally on June 24th. So June 23rd, June 24th, we'll be revealing the cover of that issue and the contents inside. Um, and this will be out on the 9th, you're saying. So this is... Uh, as of yesterday, the August issue is in stores. So that features interviews with Bobby Lashley, Kenny Omega, Leo Rush, and Maki Ito. So that's a, that's a big issue, too. And we've got these two coming out pretty close back to back. But there's a lot to check out. PWI is, is still very much going. And we've got a digital version. We've got a print version. Um, I would encourage everybody to head over to pwi-online.com or you can follow us on Twitter at official PWI for all the latest updates. Fantastic. I actually have a copy of the most recent PWI right here next to me. The Kenny Omega and Bobby Lashley interviews were just absolutely stellar. I can't wait to get through the rest of the issue as well. Um, you guys just do Perfect. fantastic stuff over there. So, uh, Kevin McElveney, thank you so much for joining me for this uh, breaking news segment here on Foundation Radio. Uh, and thanks for listening, everybody. Keep it tuned. Um, Lavelle Porter is coming up after the jump, and we'll uh, we'll see you in a minute. 
Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and the fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all cuts and trims are by appointment only, so head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. This is astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey, this is Tommy Chong. This is WWE Hall of Famer Eric Bischoff. And you're listening to Foundation Radio. Lavelle Porter, thank you so much for joining me today, sir. How are you? I, you know what? I, I'm actually doing great. Um, uh, What time is it right now? We're about seven-ish on a Thursday. Yeah. Get off work for about two hours on vacation. I'm feeling <laughs> fucking awesome. That's a big, hey, good, man. Hey, yeah, just just kick that door down right away, man. We're going to cuss the whole fucking time, so don't even worry about it. Yeah. yeah know, I'm I, so excited. I, <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't cuss on Duke's show, but I cussed on the show with Duke. So shout out to, mm. to friend of the show and um and and producer extraordinaire Duke Bennett, by the way, who uh, who linked us up here. I'm very excited. We have so. to. I mean, he, 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 was, he was the connection here, but I, I struggle yeah. to give that man any credit. Yeah, you know what? Ever. Hey, listen, Duke, I apologize in advance. I have nothing to do with this. Whatever be, uh, feud you two have is, is between you guys. I want nothing to be with it. Look, I'm Switzerland, okay? You guys just duke it out. Ha, duke it out. Get it? All right. Uh, back on. I see what you're doing. Yeah, there. you see what I That was a nice little, Okay, yeah, back on track. I'm good. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, for stopping by the show, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you here. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, some current wrestling stuff. So um, I I guess the best place for me to start with this, and I, I kind of ask all wrestling fans that I meet, uh, what is your earliest memory of professional wrestling? What was it that got you hooked? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. The The funny thing is, is, I recall watching wrestling with my father and, you know, being sort of kind of into it, but it didn't really catch me at that point. I went to a friend's house during the, um, I believe it was the WrestleMania was Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah, number six. And, yep. and yeah, and no matter how much I, I you know, kind of hate the both of them at this point. Yeah, as a kid, seeing the two of them clash, it, it was it was amazing, and that's actually what got me hooked. Um, and you know, and it's funny because out of habit, I would watch Wrestling Challenge and Superstars on Saturday mornings because my older yeah. brother watched it and we shared a room and then right. he controlled the TV. So I didn't really have a choice. But it wasn't until that moment when I was hanging with friends at, at such a young age watching that match that pulled me into wrestling. Now, if I sit back and watch that match now, though, I, I see see the, the the what's magical about it, but it's a fucking horrible match. It's just bad, 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 bad. But it, it managed to get me into wrestling. So I, I, I guess there's some positives there. You know, it's funny you say that. I uh, my my executive producer, you know, the the executive voice, we call him on the show, Sam Kreps, uh, he is not a wrestling fan and he's never watched wrestling. He doesn't know anything about it. And we started this new thing on the show uh, where he's going to watch the worst matches in the history of wrestling. Right. No context. We're just going to just throw him right into the like just fucking blind. Like, here you go, man. That's it. You're just going to watch this. And we watched Hogan Warrior 2 from Halloween Havoc, uh, 1998. Oh, and Lord. it was watching that back. I don't know what I was smoking. Like, maybe I thought that, like, it was better than it was. But holy shit, man, that match was a, a disaster. And then I thought to myself, and I'm, I'm sitting there hyping up the first match from WrestleMania 6. And I never went back to watch it after we talked. And I'm like, oh, my God, was this as bad as that one? Like, what the fuck were we thinking? You know, like, looking back on it, right? You can, and, like, you know, we'll talk about the the individuals themselves in a little bit, but, like, looking back at some of these matches, like, even Hogan and Andre, as esteemed as that match is, it's really not that great. It's not, like, like technically, right? Like, I mean, it, it means yeah. something in wrestling, but, you know, I'm sure you agree with that. 100%. You know what it is? It's the emotional investment, and that's actually one yes. of the things that the product is missing in today. Like, even as a kid, I was emotionally invested in something that I was tangentially aware of. But watching that match and seeing how how into into the crowd it was and the people that were in the room, like it, it, it gets you hooked. That that doesn't exist today. And that's that's part of the problem. I agree with that. And I, I talked to a friend of the show, Eric Bischoff. I got to give that plug, too. I apologize. I uh, had him on. But uh, yeah, Fred, I can now call him friend of the show. But yeah, Eric and I talked about that. It's it's it, his his thought was imagine having the storytelling aspect 
of the 80s and the 90s, the way that they did things, coupled with the athleticism and the agility of the stars today, that would be, I mean, it would you wouldn't be watching anything else. We would literally be back in another Monday Night War era. And I think really, you know, especially right now in the in the Thunderdome era, and I and I, I kind of wanted to start, I guess we could kind of go right into this with the, the current product sure. and, and Thunderdome and everything else. Um, for what it's worth, the Thunderdome itself is absolutely an incredible achievement by WWE overall. Uh, ba- like literally you talk about taking chicken salad or making chicken salad a chicken shit in the situation. I mean, it's it's it is the best way possible for them. I feel like what's missing in this, and, and Eric's kind of touched on it too, is the fact that the the the, the crowd reaction is not, uh, you know, it's not organic, real, yeah, organic. Yeah, it's not like it's not a real <laughs> thing, right? So yeah. you're you're getting storylines that are tired. Uh, you know, the fiend might be one in example, and I love the fiend. I'm a big fiend guy. But I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that character right now. You're missing that mm. immediate reaction from the crowd. And I think that's what happened after 36 is they, they're not getting that immediate response. What do you, what do you think about mm. that? Do you think that's the same issue? Is that because it's not an organic response, the product is becoming tired? I think it's a combination of that and the fact that even when they had the crowds in there, they were moving so far away from what actually worked that they even with the in, in-person crowds, they weren't getting the responses that they probably wanted to get, especially for the specific stars that they were trying to push. If you look at the angles that are most successful today, they have an old school uh, twang to it. It's the, the, the Ms. Bobby Lashley thing. That was a very that was an old school angle. If you take the money in the bank contract out of it, it's 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 an old school angle. The Roman Reigns. It, and, and, and trust me when I say this, I. I I've never been a huge Roman Reigns detractor, but I wasn't his biggest fan. The Roman Reigns, Jimmy Uso, Jay, that is the best thing happening in professional wrestling today. Bar none. Roman Reigns is, is, today, he is the LeBron James, the, the, the Michael Jordan of, of professional wrestling. I don't want to hear about Kenny Omega. I don't want to hear about Will Ospreay I, I, or Ospreay, or I don't know how you pronounce it, but that <laughs> guy, don't want to hear about it. He's great, but he's no Roman Reigns. And I never thought in a million years I would ever say that. It's fascinating. It, it is. It's 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 amazing because I never really thought about Roman as the guy, right? You know, for mm-hmm. me, the last guy was John Cena. Love him yeah. or hate him, the last guy was John Cena. And I, you know, it, to a to a certain extent, I would put maybe CM Punk in that category just based on the crowd reaction and the pop he got. Sure. But I think the guy, the crossover star, really was John Cena. Watching this Roman Reigns storyline. And knowing how where they're eventually going to go with kind of having an idea, right? You know, Jimmy Uso finally bending the knee and, and Jay Uso having this. You can already see the seeds being planted with this, right? I hope this goes on for another year. I don't want to see Roman Reigns lose to anybody. I want to see him decimate the SmackDown lo- uh, roster. I want to see him run through everybody who we think is going to be good. Big E. Feed him Big E. Feed him Xavier Woods, too. Give, him, give Xavier a singles run, too. Let him mow everybody down. And and just build the storyline, build that character, because I feel like now they finally have gotten it right. And for me, the capstone to that was what at WrestleMania 37. When the fans were back and they got that immediate reaction, they got that pop, they're booing the shit out of him in the stadium, and it's like, man, this is it. This is this is what we've been missing with him this entire time. And going back to Bobby Lashley with the Miz, I think realistically. What I love so much about The Miz, and I think I think a lot of people miss, is the fact that The Miz sold the shit out of that, the Hurt Lock. He sold the shit work. out of that. That whole thing would not have worked without The Miz. He deserves, I'm not going to give him all the credit because Bobby Lashley has to do what Bobby Lashley does. But right. Without The Miz, that would not have worked. I agree. Yeah, it's and just I think- like if you think about if you think about um, when they were trying to push Roman Reigns to the moon and they did that brief thing on Raw where he was briefly feuded with Vince McMahon. Right. In that right. moment. The crowd was completely with him because Vince McMahon was involved in that angle. Had nothing to do with Sheamus, had partially partially to do with, the, with Roman Reigns, but it had everything to do with Vince McMahon. If you insert the right person into a situation, they can get anybody over. And yeah. this is one of those guys at this point. I agree. I completely uh, completely agree with that. And I think I think, you know, you can't give Miz all the credit because I feel like Bobby Lashley is finally where he needs to be. And I guess this mm-hmm. kind of leads into the representation question of uh, somebody like a Bobby Lashley sure. or Bianca Belair. I mean, all of the three out of the four major champions inside of WWE are people of color. How does that feel as a fan of color to finally see that sort of start to become the norm and finally start to sort of pay off? How does that how does that feel? You know, I feel like they obviously they missed the boat with my generation of uh, when I was, you know, a kid as a wrestling fan. They didn't give us that. The closest thing we got to got to it was The Rock and and that was 50-50. 
um, I, the way I see it is I love the fact that they're finally at a point where they they re- recognize the fact that I hate to put it this way, but everything has to do with, a, a, you know, a monetary benefit that there is money in, you know, pushing African-American stars. Um, the movies just found it out a couple of years ago with Black Panther. Now everything is everything is is is, is black. There's black that um, the movie Get Out helped with that, too. Oh, black horror. That's a thing. Screw it. Let's all do it. So the, the WWE is always a, a couple of years behind the boat. And they're finally catching up to the fact that, OK, there actually is some money, many here. The, the biggest thing that I pull from and the thing that makes me happy, even though it skipped my generation, seeing the younger fans like I'm talking about the babies online dressed up like Bianca Belair. Or, you know, uh, you know, doing doing the Bobby Lashley pose. It's like those kids are going to be the next generation of professional wrestlers. I mean, who's to say that you know, I never really thought about being a wrestler, but maybe if there were more people up there being promoted that look like me, maybe it's something I would have tried. Because when you see yourself in something, it tells you that you can achieve. And even though we're just talking about wrestling, I feel like that's super important. And I think I think you're right. And and as as a point to your Bianca Belair, my daughter Sophie, she's three. Her favorite wrestler right now is Bianca Belair. I actually I bought her a Bianca Belair action figure during the run up to WrestleMania. And then when she won, she was oh my god, you know, just amazed, right? So I think it it does. I think for a lot of folks, seeing people. Uh, you know, outside the normal like white male scenario, which we're all kind of accustomed with, accustomed to with with professional wrestling, I think it's extremely important, especially for kids maybe you know who are like you or my daughter who see people that look like them or that act like them or that are you know whatever. They're seeing that and they're like, I can do this. I know that I can do this now. How did during the the the, the sort of the the unrest that happened last year, everything that happened with George Floyd, um, were you surprised to see stars like Kofi Kingston and Biggie take a stand so publicly during the the Thunderdome shows and wearing the armbands and things? Because I feel like a lot of companies are afraid to do something like that, and especially with and we're just sort of compartmentalizing WWE because we're going to sort of talk about AEW in a second and, and shun neither. But uh, I. <laughs> were you surprised were you surprised about uh, about Kofi and, and Biggie taking a stand like that not at all um if it was anybody but them I might have been somewhat surprised right but considering the fact that they we know who they are as people they've been very very upfront about that and we also know what kind of worth they hold to the WWE like uh, I'm sure you probably heard the rumors that backstage they're called what was it the cash register or something like the ATM the New Day is considered the ATM because their merchandise just flies off the shelves. They're in a un- unique position. When you make a company money, they will be amenable to almost anything. And I, I think that was one of those situations. Um, I don't know if uh, I think um, I read that Kofi and Biggie actually did talk to Vince before they they did it, and he said it was fine or whatever. But I feel like even if they didn't, there would have been no no repercussions whatsoever because they're in a unique position. They're important, regardless of their place on their card. They sell a huge amount of merchandise, and at the end of the day, that's what drives everything. When you talk about you go back into knowing who they are and 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 talking about Vince McMahon, I kind of wanted to ask this question, too, because I know there's been a lot of controversy on Twitter and a lot of uh, sort of the social spheres about Peacock editing a ton of the older content uh, in regards to uh, some of the blackface and the more racial things that have happened over the course of, you know, 30 years in professional wrestling. Uh do you feel that they have gone far enough with those edits? And do you think there's more to be done? And then additionally, the second question would be, do you feel as though Vince McMahon and company have atoned enough for those past mistakes? What can they do to correct this going forward? I don't think there's, I don't know if you can ever really quantify um, in a, in a, an atonement goal line. Um, but if I, if I backtrack a little bit, there's sure. no, they haven't done enough to, to make up for, for what they've done in the past, because we're talking about a period of what are we three or four years of them? Actually, not even a year, the Thunderdome era of right. them really significantly pushing African-American talent. So we're only a couple of, a couple of months in. So I, I would, I would never forgive sins based on that. But if we're talking about longstanding year over year um, excellence, as far as promoting uh, people of color, sure. At that point, fine. Um, I, I'd relent a little bit, but they, they have way too many skeletons in the closet as far as this kind of stuff is concerned. And just to make a point as far as uh, Peacock editing uh, the th- these things out, uh, people were big. For some reason, people were blaming the WWE for that. I, that stuff existed on the network as it was. So clearly, they WWE had no no qualms about still, you know, 
you know, promoting the fact that they did these things in the past. It is, it is history. I understand it from that standpoint. I'm actually of two minds when it comes to actually getting rid of that stuff. I mean, well, that's it's actually, offensive. That's actually my was going to be my next question is, is what's yeah. your response to those folks online who say, oh, we should leave it alone and it's history. And, you know, the 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 really super hard kickback against removing something like that. What would your response be to that? So I'm somewhat surprisingly, I'm somewhat conflicted about this. OK, because when I was a kid and I was watching this stuff, I know I know it's terrible now. I didn't necessarily understand how terrible it was in the moment. I was laughing, laughing along and enjoying it just like everybody else. Uh, the, the, when the nation, when the, when the, uh, when DX did their nation parody, I didn't see or hear a- any outrage from anybody. Nobody seemed to care. Everybody just enjoyed the segment. So when I look at it that way, and I think about myself in the past, I'm kind of like, mm, I did enjoy these moments, even though looking at it, looking at it now as a about to be 38 year old man, it's it's awful. Like I, I can't believe I actually enjoyed this. So at, at the end of the day, if it's something that's offensive to a people, you should respect that. So it's not, it's not about your enjoyment or history. It's offensive. (laughs) Your enjoyment doesn't outweigh what people, what a large group of people found offensive. And, you know, that just trickles down to another conversation about how selfish and selfish this country is. You can see with the way that they handle in the pandemic and like, it's just, it's a vicious circle and it, it extends everywhere. I think you're I think that that's a that's a really valid point that you made. And it's a really important point that you make that a lot of people miss in conversations like this. Like at the end of the day, I'm a white guy. I do not know what it's like to be judged or spoken to or uh, uh, compartmentalized due to a feature or uh, my skin color or something that I have no control over. Right. I don't know what that's like. And I've never lived that reality. So for me to say something like, oh, they shouldn't cut that gold dust segment out where he dresses up in blackface up against two cold Scorpio. I'm not qualified in any way, shape or form to really even have an opinion about it. Because, yeah, I mean, it sucks. Like, it's fucking terrible. It's an awful thing. When I think about that DX skit, uh, maybe it was my own ignorance as a as a 12, 13 year old kid watching the show. I didn't. The first thought wasn't in my head. Oh, my God, this is insanely racist. This is. Oh, look, you know, X-Pac is making fun of Mark Henry. You know, they're just doing the shtick. Looking back at it now, you're like, oh, my God, how did that even get on TV? Like how did that even get out of the writer's room. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think. I think in my mind, again, contextually, you know, looking back at it and and not having the understanding as a child, that allows me to then say, okay, well, now I can look at it as an adult and a a more informed individual and say, yeah, this isn't right. But I don't think I am the person that's qualified to be making those kinds of calls in that regard. So I think you're right. I think it's I think it's an important conversation to have. And and again, it does. It really does speak to the the overall uh, country as a whole. And now, as far as as far as Bobby Lashley is concerned, how long do you feel like his reign is going to go? It's really hard to say. Uh, they they seem to still very much have a hard on for Drew McIntyre, which I don't understand. And I've tried so hard to like Drew McIntyre. I want to like Drew McIntyre, but he's just toast. There's nothing there. I have no idea who Drew McIntyre is as a person. I, after all these years, I still don't know. I know he's a guy who had one of the greatest entrance musics, uh, entrance themes, um, a couple of years ago. That's all I. That's all I know about him. He has a sword now. He's doing a Braveheart thing. Okay, <laughs> it's a gimmick, but it's not a personality. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the 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 cloud of Drew McIntyre is going to hang over Bobby Lashley for 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 a long time. I don't think we're done after Hell in a Cell. If if that ends up being the match at Hell in a Cell. And I think I think you're I think going back to your tweet that you put out the other day, I have it up here. It says Kofi really was the voice of the voiceless here. LOL. So tired of McIntyre. I am inclined to agree with you in some sense here. I am inclined to agree that. I feel like the storyline with Drew is kind of tied up at this point, right? Like there is no other mountain to climb. There are no other stories to tell with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. There is an incredible story to tell, though, with Kofi Kingston and Bobby Lashley. And I think that's really the way to go. And watching that Kofi promo, I got to agree, man. I got to agree with everything you say. How do, how do you feel about the idea of a potential Kofi and 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 Bobby Lashley matchup? Never mind the historic ramifications of having two black men um, main event of pay per view for the WWE Championship. It, it's right. just that's it's, insane it's, it's to just, think it's, about, right? It's yeah, crazy. It, 
it, it's crazy on two levels. It's crazy at the crazy at the fact that it's never happened. And it's also crazy at the fact that it is it, it could potentially happen. Right, uh, right. Especially considering the parties, you know. But for me, it's how do I how do I put this? I think at the end of the day, Kofi, there's more money in Kofi Kingston than there is Drew McIntyre. A lot of people aren't going to agree with me when I say that, but I think if you look at merchandise sales, it's the truth. Uh, I, I hate to be that guy who talks about checking boxes, but Kofi checks a lot of boxes. There's a reason why Kofi Mania worked to begin with. Absolutely. The, the heat, the heat that Lashley has right now, and the residual heat that Kofi still has from Kofi Mania and just from the new, just from the New Day stuff, it, it could lead to you know a, a months and months of, of not only great matches but historic matches, like. Who wouldn't want to see uh, Bobby Lashley and, and, and Kofi Kingston in a two out of three falls matches match at TLC or whatever the next, like right, th- there's right. so much meat on these bones and we've never seen it before. Like if, if I'm thinking about it, uh, the mon- when, when Bobby Lashley was originally in the WWE, I don't think Kofi was there or, and if he was, he may have been on the ECW at the time. Did they yeah, I think it was a, ECW? No, I don't think he was. I don't, I think if I remember correctly, I think Kofi was more of like a, like a mid to low Carter at that point. I think he was still building with the Jamaican thing. Wasn't he? Like, I don't even, I don't even recall them. Even, yeah. I don't, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Yeah. I think when Lashley was ECW champion, Kofi was around, but they never interacted. I don't know that right. the two of them have ever had a one-on-one match before, but they probably have somewhere, but it definitely wasn't for the WWE championship. I'm very no. excited to see this match. And I, I if it am, happens. Yeah, I, that's what I'm hoping for. I really <laughs> hope they, they do the right thing here. I feel like the McIntyre and Lashley thing is going to go on for a little bit longer because they seem to do this all the time. Roman Reigns and King Corbin went on for 16 years. I have no idea why, but I, I feel like and now you you write for Russell Zone and mandatory. Um, you uh, review a lot of the, the programming that comes out. So you watch a lot of this and I, I am now concerned for your mental health having to watch Monday Night Raw every week. What do you think as someone who <laughs> reviews these shows and gives a, an in-depth analysis on the storylines, what would your challenges be and, and what would your fixes be to the product? Uh, and, and we're fo- focusing on right now, like pre, like getting back into the world and everything taken off again. What what would be your vision and how you would fix these things, these issues that they're having with their storylines? So point of order for when the work I do for WrestleZone, I try to keep as much opinion out of it as possible because right. the people who read that stuff, they get very, very angry when I'm doing play by play <laughs> and I put an opinion in there. I personally find myself hilarious, but the people who are reading the play, play <laughs> well, I do too. I've read your work. I think you're great. And, I, and I'm looking at this. It's very much like Nakamura lands, good vibrations and Corbin sends them out. It's very like, it's very annotated and I, and yeah. you're right. And I don't mean to interrupt, but I feel like you're correct Sorry. where you have to be because the fans it's so toxic sometimes but go ahead i'm sorry go ahead i apologize uh, the, the that's fine uh, the main issue with the product is the fact that the wwe does not has not built any stars whatsoever it's like they almost forgot how to do it they have these these strange these 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 short bursts of doing it right for a little while uh kofi mania uh the daniel bryan uh yes mania what was it yeah uh, yeah yeah it was yeah. like the yes yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah that right. works that what else? What other? What are? What other situations in memory do, can you come up with where they built someone up as a star and it actually worked for a period of time? Other than this Roman Reigns thing, which took like eight years, and they finally just let the guy be himself, and lo and behold, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, it, right. at the end of the day, it's all about making people care, and that's one of the things that's totally missing from wrestling these days. The the Reigns, Jimmy Uso, and Jay thing. It's a family struggle that people understand and they can relate to. And that's the key. You have to actually be able to relate to and care about what you're seeing on the TV to invest in it. And that's one of the reasons why the fans are going away. P- people don't want to admit it. But if you look at it, we'll talk, you said we'll talk about AEW. Yeah, we're going to go to that like next. Yeah. It's, 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 it, it, for what it is, like they have some storylines, I suppose. They have matches that things happen in, I, I guess, but none of it actually means anything because there's there's no meat, there's no real story in it. You can't really invest in it because the things that are happen happening on the screen are nonsensical. It's like if you if you can't personally invest in something, why would you care? And at the end of the day, and I know you asked about WWE, but I, I feel that's my critique for the wrestling business as a whole. And I, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not trying to come off like Black Jim Cornette or anything like that. <laughs> well, goddamn, if you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back to if you go back to what worked back in the day why was stone cold steve austin so popular other than the fact that you know stone cold steve austin is awesome why was it so popular people related to him that he did the things that they they wanted to do to their boss stuff like that yeah uh, raw had 
eight uh, 8.0 ratings back then, which is unheard of. Like it, to get an eight, eight, eight rating today, it, it, that's the Super Bowl. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's because people were people were invested. You have to make people care. Doing 16 Canadian destroyers does not make me care about you. Not having a personality. And, and when I say not having a personality, I don't mean not being able to cut a promo. That's two different things. Exactly. Um, yes. And that, that's an important say, distinction, too. Yeah. People forget I, about that. I don't we don't like to say his name, but someone like Chris Benoit, he couldn't necessarily cut great promos, but he had personality based on the stuff he did in his ring, spatial expressions. Even though his promos weren't good, you felt what he was saying because it looked like he actually meant what he was saying people we have to be able to invest i'm exacerbated now because this is one of those things that and, that, that, <laughs> that bugged me one of the things that bothers me though out of the many things that i that bother me about AEW is the fact that they claim to be this super i don't want to say progressive but they claim to be this inclusive organization you know making the 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 uh weaving the narrative that wwe is is this you know uh, evil racist empire or whatever you want to call it. And I haven't seen any people of color really in their main events. I don't see any people of color as their champions. Uh, I continually see the same shit over and over again inside of AEW with nothing. And I think I talked to Harry Burkett about this too. I'm impressed. Like I can't deny what those guys have done, right? They've, they've, they've created a new organization. It's fantastic, but I really thought I would like it more. Then I do. There's just something that's missing from this, and I and I'm I'm curious as to to your thoughts about that as far as representation. Do you agree? And Duke and I sort of talked about this as well. Do you agree with that critique where they're not putting their money where their mouth is in regards to representation as a whole? A hundred percent. Never mind the fact that they seem to consistently beat all of the African American wrestlers, whether it be male or female. Other than ones that they kind of sort of feature on TV, like Jade's getting a decent push. But I mean, look at her. She looks like a goddess. Like you can't not push that person. Right. But she's she's the outlier because she looks she she's an Amazon. Right. Like, it's right. Like, a, how, how do you not push Andre the Giant? Not not comparing her to Andre the Giant, but it's the same situation. Uh, she could be an attraction. That's the, one of the reasons why she's featured in the, in the way that she is. But your 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 um, your Scorpio skies and so forth. Not so much. Um, and or even your sunny kisses you know, you too. I mean, that, sunny kisses is money. That was actually going to be my next point. Yeah, money all that over that. Yeah. Be, when it when it comes to representation, it's not just about you know black white. It's about LGBTQ. They have Nyla Rose. They have Sunny Kiss. Like, regardless of how you feel about either of their skill levels or if you enjoy their matches, they fit a, a niche. That's an audience that they could bring in. Those are people that that's a group that isn't necessarily uh, being catered to when it comes to professional wrestling. But if you give them again, it goes back to what I said earlier. When you see people like you, you'll bring those fans in. So yep. they, they, it's a huge wasted opportunity. They they promoted Nyla Rose, never never t gave us a reason to care about her. Uh, we know what we know about her because we knew about her beforehand, but they didn't right. give us anything. They didn't tell us about her, tell, tell us about her her past or anything like that. They put her out there and she lost. She made it all the way to the finals for the title and, and lost to Rio. And I have nothing against Rio, but I like seeing Rio <laughs> because it's funny. But and she lost and. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like that could have been history. She eventually wins the title. Fine. But why not have her win the first time? Sonny Kiss is hardly ever on TV unless he's in the crowd. And, or getting beat pinned in and what was it? Uh 30 seconds by Cody Rhodes for some I think it was reason. Cody Yeah. Why is Cody Rhodes going over what? on Sonny Kiss? What's the what's it's why like it's bother having the match? It's like Booker T losing again to Triple H. Like, what the fuck was the point of this entire storyline if you're gonna just bury the fucking guy? I really want to get into this because I want to ask you your opinion because I've been I've been kind of sitting on it all day. Cody Rhodes and his American Dream promo, the Shun Neither promo, of course, which is apparently where Duke Bennett is now from, Shun Neither. And he says that the the promo itself was workshopped and uh, focus group tested. I just I'm I'm gonna let you have the floor on this one because I want to know I don't want to I'm not I'm just keep keep myself quiet I, I just want to know your raw unfiltered thoughts. Um, obviously I'm looking at the Vince McMahon, R-Truth laughing, uh, meme that you put up here on your, uh, you retweeted on your Twitter here, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, the floor is yours, Mr. Porter, please. After you, sir. So, so here's the thing, right? It's one thing for Cody to get on TV and say something stupid. It's not the first time he's done it. It won't be the last time. <laughs> After the, the wave of outrage 
in in in, in checking that happen after the fact. The fact that this man has dug his nails, his his heels into the ground, and he's trying to, what is it like? He's trying to like get a not cliff note, like cliff notes. This person said it was okay, so it's okay. This person, no, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Like number number one, I don't believe that you did that. Like that's not how wrestling works. And, and for someone who claims to be so old school and is trying to be his daddy so goddamn bad, I refuse to believe he sat down with a group of people and said, okay. I'm going to come out and I'm going to read, I'm going to read this just like I would in the ring. Tell me what you feel about it. And Brandy's behind glass, like taking notes. There's no way I refuse to believe that. And if he did do it, I want to know who was in the room. I want to know who was in the room because clearly there wasn't anybody who looked like me, because if there was, they would have told, nah, nah, son. Nah, that's, that's not a good look. (laughs) It's just, I want Cody is another. I used to really, really enjoy Cody Rhodes when he was in the WWE. Um, the 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 stuff with the mask, the mustache, everything that they gave him was gold. Stardust was great. Yeah, that was probably the best Cody Rhodes we've we've gotten. Even even after the ROH stuff and the stuff he's doing now, that was probably the best version of him. He, he probably never admitted, it, but it was. Like, why does this man want me to hate him so bad? It's like he really he wants me to hate him, and. You know, there's been so much evidence over the years that he might just actually be a shitty human being. I hate to say it, but if you go back and listen to, I forget who it was. I think it was Cole Cabana's podcast. Uh, Cabana, I think he did an interview with Xavier Woods and they talked about Cody. Then he had Cody on and Cody talked about what Xavier Woods said to him about him when they were in high school or something along those lines. Uh, apparently, Cody tortured Xavier Woods in high school. Like they wow. were at opposing schools and they were both wrestlers or something like that. And Cody was just a, a human, sh- a human shit back to him. And, <laughs> oh, and then I, I, I want, I want to say it was Colt's podcast. And then he did an episode with the both of them on it. And Cody was just kind of sort of kind of copping to it and laughing and joking about it. I didn't hear an apology. Like, dude, you're how many, how you're many, busted, how many man. times you're, you going to let this? Yeah, yeah. come on. Try, try to say something. There's no contrition whatsoever. <laughs> so I think we've had a lot of empirical evidence to this point that Cody might just be a shitty person. I got I'm, 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 I got to agree with you, man. I, I just, I, I don't understand watching it. Like it didn't line up for me, right? Like watching this promo and listening to what he was starting to say and pitching this pay-per-view and then all of a sudden going into his talking about his child, who's, you know, going to be black and going to be white and shun, shunning neither. And, Uh, The tears and like, what am I, what's happening right now? Like, what are you co-opting right now? What are you trying to put yourself in the middle of that you don't belong? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I I just, there's just something, Uh, there was something so wrong about it. (laughs) It just felt gross. I I think I've seen, seen, uh, uh, I think I've seen a, A teacher got caught saying something racist and they said it was because of, they had low blood sugar or something like oh that. Oh my God. Maybe Cody has low blood sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just needs Maybe. a snicker. Snickers. <laughs> Co- Cody, you say you say stupid partially racist sh- shit <laughs> when you haven't eaten. Have, have a Snickers. Have a Snickers. Better? Better. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he turns into Dusty. Oh yeah, baby, I feel great. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince in the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price see we were talking about caring and making us care about aew lavelle and i think what we're watching things like blood and guts and we're watching things like uh, luther or some of these older talents that come in like we mentioned christian cage as well now he doctor Luther. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, Dr. Luther. My apologies. My, he he didn't go to evil wrestling doctor school not to be called doctor. <laughs> He's got a lot of Ralphus vibes, this guy. <laughs> so uh, I, I feel like AEW is the type of company that pulls back on a lot of this historical stuff, you know, like the Tully Blanchard and the, and the belts and all the pageantry and the history behind it. But there's two parts of this that are missing for me, and I, I wanted to get your opinion on this as well. 
why should I, as a wrestling fan, care now about that? What is AEW doing to make me care about these belts and this like tradition now? And what is it doing to bring in new fans who are coming in to see people like maybe Sonny Kiss or Scorpio Sky or Darby Allen or even Orange Cassidy? What is the what is this pageantry and the and the rolling out of all of these old things? Right. Because like if you look at it sort of back to back, you look at like NXT, right? Halloween Havoc. Take that for an example. The way that they rolled that out last year was fantastic. They were a, I feel like they did a really solid job. And I'm not an a, I'm not a WWE mark. I, I'm just saying that the way that they incorporated that historical piece of wrestling into the new school, I feel like they 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 really nailed it on that one. Whereas this blood and guts thing, they didn't really give me a reason to care other than, oh, hey, look, we're using this NWA, you know, design on the sign. And now there's this big cage and there goes Jericho off the top. What are your thoughts about that? What do you think these things mean in context to making bringing people in and then and bringing people back into the fold? So I think that uh, to answer your first question, I don't think they do care. Um, they're not interested in and they're not interested in you and I. They're right. interested in their their niche fans that. There, that it will always follow them. Their ratings, it's never going to go, it's never going to be consistently over, you know, a million five or whatever the highest point it's been because they, they're they not interested in catering to new fans or bringing in, bringing in, uh, bringing back the old diehards. The stuff that they're doing to harken back to the old days, it's not to bring in the old diehards. It's, it's Tony Khan and the EVPs playing with their toys. Yeah. It's like, oh, code is oh, I love everything about NWA. So let's 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 do let's have Telly Blanchard. Okay, they have him there. He doesn't do anything. Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts was one of my favorite wrestlers when I was a kid. I, I'm assuming uh I I don't know. Uh Ken, Kenny Omega Kenny Omega probably doesn't knows probably has no idea of Jim Roberts' <laughs> past, but but whatever. I'll just use him as an example. Right. Kenny Omega's like, oh, I love I love Jake the Snake Roberts. Let's let's have him too. They bring him in. He, he does absolutely nothing. If they actually cared about bringing in the older fans, it, it's not just about bringing in the older names. You actually have to feature them in some sort of way and give them something to do. Jake Roberts just stands at ringside and he just stands there. Yeah. That's literally all he does. And if you have a toy there, then why? It's like it's 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 literally playing with your toys. If you have yeah. someone there again, Sting is another good example. I am absolutely terrified at the thought of Sting being in a wrestling match. Like an actual physical wrestling match. Yeah. He's 62 years old with cervical spinal stenosis. Mm-hmm. The fuck is he doing going to get back into a ring? And I love Sting. I think Sting is fantastic. But what is he doing? Why are we doing this? What's the point? Why are you ma- like, it's great that Sting, the idea of Sting being in the ring is, is, is fantastic, like on paper. But do we really need to see Sting in the ring right now? Is that is that what we need right now? And is it the safest thing to do? And that's I think maybe that's part of my big gripe with AEW. Yeah, it's it's not it's clearly not the safest thing, safest thing to do, but they have protected him in slightly. Uh, the one match he was in was a cinematic match. wasn't right. It wasn't fast paced action, uh, but him taking that power bomb from Brian Cage was r- ridiculous. Like I, I don't, I don't care how much padding he had on. I don't want to see it. If you're gonna bring Sting in, bring him in as a manager. Leave him that. Leave him at that. He can have some physicality outside the ring. Maybe put somebody in a Scorpion Deathlock. But leave it at that. There's no reason to put him in a position where. He could potentially get hurt. Never mind the fact that I don't know that AEW's overall fan base actually cares about Sting. I think they think they should care about Sting, and yes, they want to make. So they, glad you said that. <laughs> they, they're trying to make it seem like Sting in AEW was bigger than him being in WWE. So they're doing their best to make it seem like it's working more than it actually is. And that's kind of just the whole cycle with AEW. People have dung in their heels and said, "Oh, I have to like this. So no matter what they do, I'm going to like this." And no matter what crap they put on TV, people are still going to champion it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it I, again. It's the, they have it's to be the, right. It's the idea of liking mm-hmm. something in, as as compared to actually liking it and and being like, wow, yeah, I'm really invested in this. I do. I agree with you too. As far as Sting goes, uh, I think he would be in a great position if they were to use that more psychological stuff that he was doing in WCW at the end of that, you know, around the NWO time when that started, as a person who is going to. 
bring Darby Allen's character to the next level, right? He is the mentor, you know, the Miyagi of this storyline, teaching him how to go and become this character, this icon, right? The next icon. That's the shit that would make me come and watch it because I'm like, all right, well, now I believe in this guy and I want to see him do the same thing that Sting did. They're not giving me a reason to care at all. And I think, again, that's what bothers me so much about it. Yeah, I wanted to like AEW so, so much. Um, and it's it's not a slide on WWE, but I've been watching and covering it for a very, very long time. I had the opportunity through WrestleZone to cover AEW when it first uh, when it first dropped. And, you know, three shows in, I was begging to get my NXT shift back because I just didn't care about the product. I actually, I was at the, the se- I think it was the second AEW show they did in Boston. I, I, WrestleZone sent me there to, to cover it. And... The experience I had there wasn't great. They didn't necessarily treat the media very well at all. We were supposed to have this, uh, those supposed to be actual interviews and so forth. None of that happened. I got to the arena. It was like, oh, yeah, we're not doing any of that. You guys can just sit in the media area and just enjoy the show. I'm sitting there. I got my suit on because I'm, I'm trying to be professional. And this is, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, at least I get to see a free show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I want to talk about Black Rabbit. I want to talk about your amazing set. I had a chance to check it out. Uh, I really enjoy it. And it, it feels a lot like a really cool place to get information about pop culture. Tell me a little bit more about it. The The idea behind um, the site BlackRabbit.com is I, I wanted to create a space for people who look like me and even people who don't where they can come and, and learn about the things that they care about, what's important to them when it comes to pop culture. Uh, the idea is to have stories driven by people of color about topics that they care about. Um, you'll see a lot of articles on there about uh, the show Black Lightning. Um, there's you know stuff in there about sports. There's a lot of, a lot of different, it, it covers a pretty wide variety um, of topics. Um, and you know I'm, I'm happy that you brought this up because I, I just wanted to, I don't know if this is okay, but I just want to say uh, the, we're about to go into phase two of the site and I'd like to actually open this up to um, offer anybody who's interested in in doing some writing about pop culture to open pitches to the site if you want to potentially write uh, paid opportunities. Obviously, There's, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna be that person that says, "Oh, it's it's all about the the experience that you're gonna get." No, there, there, there's still there's money involved when you, when you do work. Yeah, um, but feel free to pitch um, when we get to the. The plugs at the end, or you can go directly to my, I'll just say my Twitter right now, above average LLP at at Twitter. If you want to hit me there, uh, you can, Uh, if you have a pitch, we can talk. It's open um, and and we'd be happy to help, happy to have you. But the uh, whole idea, just to backtrack, was all about giving people of color a space to talk and enjoy, uh, you know, uh, media uh, about things that they care about. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I've been looking at I've been I've been checking out articles all day and I see again what I see is a lot of representation and I see a lot of a lot of media that maybe wouldn't get the attention that it that it rightfully should. Uh, and I think it's really important, especially as someone who grew up in an LGBT household, to see things like this, not just for people of color, but also for LGBT and 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 sort of the 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 groups of people who don't get the space to be nerdy like this. You know, I'm I know I grew up as a Star Wars kid, as a, as a comic book kid, as a wrestling kid, and just wanted to be part of something. And I think this is this is really really cool. And there's a lot of really great stuff on here. So uh, I definitely think you should check it out. There's some there's something for everybody on this website, which is what I love. There's there's Marvel, there's wrestling, there's music. I'm a huge music guy. So if you want, I can write about, you know, I can write about anything. So we can talk later as well. But I'd love to introduce you to my buddy Paul, who does, uh, he works, we work for a site called Culture Popped, which is a little bit of the same thing. But I know he would love to have you as well. So we'll talk offline about that. But where can where can people go? It's, it's blackrabbit.com, right? Right. Um, and it's actually spelled B L A Q U E R A B B I T.com. It's and and I definitely again I can't recommend the site enough. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, it's really really great. Thank you so much 
for stopping on the show today and talking with me um, about wrestling and, and representation and everything else. I've really had a great time. Hopefully we can have Duke on again uh, to have this. I don't know if I have had to mediate you two before you guys get on, but it's it feels a lot. It feels very like Lemon Mathal when you two are together. And I, I really I really yeah. enjoyed it. The reason I wanted you on the it's show is because that, you, 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 you cracked me up. I was laughing the entire time. I was listening, like, listen to you, giving it to Duke. I love it. <laughs> well, the, the, it's funny that you, you, you use that. You use those two individuals. I've known uh, Duke since I was four, five. We met in elementary school. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And um, I'm actually, I'm turning, I think, 38. I always get my age confused. I think I'm turning 38 Saturday. <laughs> so that, that was a long time. Well, happy uh, so. early birthday, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. For, thank you. For that. Thank you for having me. I, I, I had so much fun. I appreciate um, and I it. I definitely want to come back on. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd love to have you back on. We'll uh, we'll see you again soon. Sounds good. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Proprietor.